You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Mike Moore, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It's Tuesday. Tag a friend. Let them know. You can get us on Facebook. You can get us on YouTube. You can also go to Mike Moore Ministries. And remember, you can get us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get Get your podcast. I'm so happy to have you with us. I see we got with us Felicia. Good to have you with us, Felicia and Dean and Victoria, Deborah. Hey, Winnie. Good to have you with us, Pamela and Tara, Mac Nichols. Hey, good to have you with us, Shawanda, uh, Delicia, James. Good to hear you. See you, James. Lori, John. Hey, John. Good to have you with us today. Roddy, Anita, Barbara. Good to have you with us today. Listen, we're going to have a good time in the Word today. It's going to be a blessing. I'm doing a, a four-part series called Real Love, and this is going to be our second lesson of a four-lesson series. Here's where we're going. I'm planning and preparing for uh, next year, so I'm going to finish this series. I have two more lessons after this series. My wife is going to come in, and she's going to do something for a couple of weeks, and I believe it's going to be a great blessing. And by the way, she has a a new book coming out on prayer and confession. And then we're going to break for December. We're going to take a break from the podcast for December, and then we're going to come back the first Tuesday of the new year, a how to win podcast. I'm going to shift a little bit in that I'm going to major on some teaching on a leadership. Uh, My son will have transition as the lead pastor of Faith Chapel. So we're all in a transition, but it's going to be great. Amen. Good to have you with us today. Going to be a blessing. Let's talk about real love. Good to have you with us, Marion and Mary. Good to have you with us today. Uh, Merlene, good to have Merlene. Good to have you with us today. Listen, let's talk about real love. This is our second lesson. And our objective in this series is to help you, help me, help us to learn the difference between real love and counterfeit love. Unfortunately, most people are not operating in real love. Come on, say real love. We're talking about real love. I'm trusting that after this series that you're going to exercise the power of your will with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and begin to show the world what real love look like. Let's review for a minute. Lesson one, we learned that there are two kinds of love. There's God love. It's everlasting. God's love is real love. And then there's the world love. And we saw from scripture that the world love grows cold. God's love is everlasting, but the world's love grows cold. 
It's counterfeit love. We also learned that real love, God's love, is the distinctive trait of the committed Christian, the distinctive trait, by this shall all men know that you're my disciple, Jesus said, by our love for one another. Listen, you are never more like God than when you're operating in his love. You're never more like God, and we want to be like God. And not only that, we want to demonstrate to the world our Father. And we are never more like God than when we are walking in the love of God. In lesson one, we began to enter into our subtopics. Each one of these lessons, we have a subtopic. And in lesson one, we, we began to talk about the fact that real love is unconditional but it's no, not codependent. It's unconditional, but it's not codependent. Now, you can go back and you can listen to that whole podcast, but we're going we're gonna to enter our second subtopic in lesson two. Real love is caring. Real love is caring, but it's not controlling or manipulative. Real love is caring, but it's not controlling, not manipulative. Now, listen, I'm on my 41st year. In fact, 42nd year, if you add the first church that I pastored for a little over a year, I'm nearing 42 years and eight months of pastoring. And I've come to the conclusion that there is not much real love operational in the world. I'm going to say something that you can challenge, and it's all right. In fact, I hope you challenge me, and I hope you win. I think that there's very little real love operational in the church. I think there's very real love operational. Here again, I'm not talking about any particular church. And I'm not saying that the church that I pastor, Faith Chapel, got real love and other folk didn't have real love. I am saying emphatically that there is very little real love operational in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why people in the world don't recognize us as Jesus' disciple. Real love is caring, but it's not controlling, not manipulative. And I'm telling you, there is a lot of control and a lot of manipulation in the church. And I'm not, I don't want to sound negative, I think there are beautiful things going on in the church. I am pro-church. I believe in the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, but we're trying to motivate the church to maturity. That's the, that's the thing that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to motivate us to maturity. Now, let's talk biblically and give you some biblical scriptural text of real love. 
In John 3, 16, you know we had to start there. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Father's love is real love. Romans 8.32, the Apostle Paul says it a little bit different, but in essence, he's saying the very same thing. He, this is the New King James translation of Romans 8.32. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Another pretext of real love. The Father's love is real love. His love is caring, but the Father's love is not controlling. The Father's love is not manipulative. Good to have you with us, Cynthia and Tracy and Sanja and Punchy. Hey, Sharonita and Joel, good to have you with us, Shannon and Crystal. Let's talk about caring. Real love is caring. And as I walk you through some definitions of caring, I want you to evaluate yourself. And I'm always evaluating myself because I want to go to another level. How many of you want to go to another level? Even if you say, well, I've heard that before. I know that. Yes, but we, we want to go to another level. The Bible says that love can grow. Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, he said, your love is abounding. In other words, love can grow. So let's talk about caring. What does it mean uh, when we say God's love is caring? The word caring simply means wanting the very best for others. Caring means wanting the very best for others. Caring, secondly, means kindness kindness in words and disposition, kindness in our attitude, helpful in our actions. Sometimes I look at people and I can tell they're in the wrong profession. (laughs) You can tell when people are in the wrong profession, especially when they're in the people contact profession and they have this, this, I don't want to be bothered attitude, yet their job is connected to people and relating to people. But caring simply means that my attitude, there's a whole different attitude that I have. I'm kind in my words. I'm uh, kind in my disposition and my attitude and very helpful. Caring thirdly means to be sensitive to the needs of others and willing to meet legitimate needs. I'm sensitive to the needs of others, and I'm willing to meet legitimate needs. Let's look at a fourth definition of caring. Caring means taking the initiative to demonstrate your concern. Taking the initiative, not always being asked to do something when I'm caring I don't have to be asked. I'm taking the initiative to demonstrate concern. A caring person shows their love for others without always saying it. You can, you know, think about this. 
Caring, caring is showing concern sometimes without saying a word because think about it. You can talk love and you can talk care, but when you're talking care, but there are no actions, then the talk is meaningless. You listen at this can see care. Don't you like that? You can see care. Here's a fifth definition. And this may be a little different. Caring is giving others space when they need it and not taking it personal when people want to be alone. I'm said that again. Caring is giving others space when they need it and not taking it personal when they want to be alone. Now, everybody needs to be alone sometimes. I know I need to be alone. Sometimes I want space. How about you? Do you want space? Do you, do you need space to just be in your own thoughts, to think through the process, to, to sometimes have a little quiet time where there's no demands on you, no one talking, no one asking, no one requesting. Sometimes we just need space. Sometimes spouses need space. Sometimes parents need space. Sometimes friends need space. Sometimes romantic friendships and romantic friendships. Uh, sometimes we just need space. And, and, and caring is when I'm willing to give you the space because you need it and I don't take it personal it doesn't mean that you don't love me because you need space. I don't take it personal when others need space. Here's a sixth definition. Caring is being empathetic, empathetic and concerned about people's need <laughs> for other meaningful relationships. It's being empathetic and concern about others' need for other meaningful relationships. Did you get that? Sometimes people need other meaningful relationships. And that's all right. That's all right. It's all right that my wife need a day to spend time, not with me, but maybe time to spend with her family or maybe time to spend with her uh, group. She has a group of other women and she loves it. She loves that group. And she goes and they spend all day. I mean, just all day. And it's all right. See, it's all right for her to enjoy this. It's all right for her to want other meaningful relationship. It doesn't mean, it doesn't subtract anything for, from me. You see, real love is not possessive. Sometimes we think, 
I said, you've seen someone says they seen uh, Pete shopping by herself uh, with her uh, daughter. Yes, yes. There are times when she just needs, she want to hang out with Tiffany or uh, she want to go and spend time with her grandkids or whatever. We don't, we spend a lot of time together. My wife and I spend a lot of time together, but we don't spend every day, all day. And, and there's no meaningful relationships apart from each other. I, I just, I think there's some, bit of neediness in that. Now you can, you can reject that. If you want to spend all the time with this person, all the time, that person wants to spend all the time and just exclude everyone out of your life, then that's all right. Until you need somebody else, you know, until you need somebody else. So caring is, is appreciating and being empathetic and concern that the person that you're close to need other meaningful relationships. For example, God loves me. God loves me. In fact, he loves me with a real love. But God is not possessive. God wants me to have a meaningful relationship with my wife. God wants me to have a meaningful relationship with my children. God wants me to have a meaningful relationship with my grandchildren. God wants me to have a meaningful relationship with another friend. And God is not a problem with that. So number seven, let's look at this one. You're going to like this one. Are you getting anything out of this? You getting anything out of this? Let's get over into real love. Cause some of this love we in our relationships, it's controlling. It, it's not freeing. It's controlling. It's manipulative. Now listen to this seventh, this seventh definition of caring. We're going to get over into control. We're going to get over into manipulation. But let's see what really caring is all about. Number seven, here's a seven definition. Let me see. Are you getting anything? Let me, let me see. I'm looking. I'm looking. This is good. Okay. Okay. Yes. You're getting some out of this. My wife says that life groups are wonderful. Get in one and start one. Okay. Awesome teaching, Pastor. So I see you getting something. Now, we're, we're saying that real love is caring, but it's not controlling and it's not manipulative. And I've said that there's a lot of control in relationships. There's a lot of control, a manipulation in relationships. Now watch this. Listen at this. We're talking first about caring. What does it mean to care? Real love is caring. And I'm giving you seven definitions. This is the seventh definition. Caring means providing others with closure. Wow. Now, now I'm going to slow down and then I'm going to speed up. Real love is providing others with closure. Now, I, I want you to say this after me. Real love, come on, say it after me. Real love is providing others with closure. Got it? In other words, let's say you're in a relationship, but the other person decide to go in another direction. 
And it can be any kind of re- relationship. It can be a relationship with your church, a relationship with a group, a relationship with your spouse. Unfortunately, yes, it can be that. Watch this now. Watch this now. Listen carefully. If a person decides they want to go in another direction, they want to part ways, they want to end it. Now, I want, to li- want you to listen. This is true for marriage. Uh, couples, but it's also true for singles. You're in a relationship and that person that you're in the relationship want to end the relationship. Okay. They want, they want to go into a, in another direction. I am saying that real love is caring, is providing others with closure. They will be very courteous about it. Just because you want to go another direction, you don't have to be mean to do that. Come on, talking to you Christians. I'm talking to you Christians. You don't have to be mean because it's going to end. You don't have to be mean. You say goodbye. You say goodbye. You have a time where you end the relationship in a, in a courteous way. You honor your friendship or relationship enough to give a reason why you're leaving. You give a reason why you're leaving. You don't just cut the relationship off. I'm talking to you believers. I'm talking to you Christians. You don't just cut it off. You give a reason. You never ghost the person. You never leave the person wondering why you left. You know, ghosting is the practice of ending a personal relationship without any explanation. Christians never ghost others that they're in a relationship with. You don't ghost them. You don't leave having the person trying to figure out what they did wrong. You tell them about areas that you think they need to improve. And if you're in the relationship because you think that maybe you're not good for the person, you tell them about the situation or the areas you need to be need to improve. Now, listen at this. And now I'm going to move from this, but this is so important because I see Christians break off relationships and they are mean to each other. They ghost each other. They don't want to say anything to each other. They don't, they, they just totally cut off people and they're not kind in the way they do it. And it's just not biblical. And let me tell you something. I know you may not think God looks at that kind of stuff, but he does. I know you think God only looks at us when we're in church. No, he looks at how we do, uh, how we end relationships. Listen at this statement. I'm going to get over into control. Believers should show the world how to end a relationship. Did you get that? That, that hit home somewhere. I, I think that hit home somewhere. I hit, uh, listen, that hit home somewhere. I'm telling you, listen to me. Christians, believers should show the world how to end a relationship. 
Now, if it's an abusive relationship and your life is in danger, I understand that you want to separate yourself. You don't want to put yourself in a position. You may disconnect because that person is out of control and your life may be in jeopardy. But most of the stuff that I see as a pastor, people's lives are not in jeopardy. Okay. There's no reason why you can be a friend and I ain't talking about a close friend, but you can be, you can be friendly. You can be kind. You can be nice. Even though you've decided that we're not going to be friends, we should show the world how to end a relationship. Let's talk about control. Real love is not controlling. Now, how far me? Cause that hit somebody that you providing closure, hit somebody. I know, I know I'm talking to you and I know you need to repent. You need to repent. Okay. Listen to this. Real love is not controlling. Real love is a freeing love. It's a freeing love. Uh, it's a freeing love, a freeing love. It's a freeing love. Now watch this. It allows people to utilize their own free will in decision making. Genesis 2, 16 through 17, God warned Adam concerning the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat from that tree. You eat from that tree, you'll die. All these other trees you can eat from. But God didn't build a fence around the tree. God didn't didn't put handcuffs on Adam and said, now, I'm going to keep you from that tree. No, it's a free in love. God allowed Adam to make a decision that wasn't in his best interest. Because real love is a freeing uh, love. Now, God love not communicates. He communicates, clarifies, it challenges, it warns, but it never forces others to do, never forces others to do a certain thing. And now remember, if you're a parent, you got small kids, that's your responsibility to command and demand that they do some things as they're developing their decision-making. I'm not talking about that. And Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 13, uh, when the prodigal son wanted to leave, it wasn't in his best interest. He was not mature enough, but the father allowed him to leave. In Revelation 3.20, the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I'll come in and sup with him. Notice Jesus knocks at the door of our hearts because he cares about us. But he does not break in the door of our will and force us to do anything. He says, if any man will open the door, then I'll come in. Now, real love is not controlling. Control means to exercise dominating influence. It means to enforce behavior. You know, you know what's so interesting to me about it, and, and I don't know whether it's my personality, but even when I was lost, even when I was not saved, even when I didn't have the nature of Jesus, and I was dating Pete, my wife Pete in college, she had a boyfriend, and I know, knew she had a boyfriend, 
And, and she was seeing her boyfriend for a while and was uh, seeing me, but it wasn't, she wasn't hiding. I knew she had the boyfriend, but I wanted her. I wanted her. I wanted her and I wanted her to want me. You can't force people to want you. You can't force people. I see Christians, they try to force people to love them and force people to want them. It's That's not God. God doesn't do that. And over time, she chose me. Over time, I chose her. Does that make sense? But it's freeing. You can't make people love you. Control is a dominating influence and forced behavior. I see men, they try to build fences around their wives and fences around situations. And their wife can't do this and the wife can't do that. That's insecurity, brother. That That's insecurity. There's some place you got to trust her and there's a place she's got to trust you. And then if people mess up, then you make a decision. You have to make a decision, but you don't just build fences around people and try to control their behavior and who they're going to be with. And you're talking about grown people. You can't be with him. And why are you with her? Grown people don't operate. Insecure people don't operate like that. They don't operate like that. Now, real love is not manipulative. Manipulation is a tool of controlling people through the skillful use of external emotional exploitation and deceptive practices. It is a tool. Manipulation is a tool of controlling people through the skillful use of emotional exploitation for and deceptive practices for one's own advantage or benefit. Now, Let's look at how control and manipulation manifests itself. It manifests itself in anger and intimidation. Verbal, physical, psychological abuse is a form of manipulation and control. Pouting, getting quiet, not speaking, withdrawing, the sullen attitude, that's a form of manipulation. Incompetence. I can't do anything for myself. I need you to do something for me. That's a form of control. The silent treatment where I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to punish you for a while. That's a form of control and manipulation. Suspicion and jealousy. Why were you talking to him? What did he say to you? What does she, what does she want? Why does she come up in your face? That's, that's a form of manipulation and control. I'm around women all the time as a pastor. My wife never comes up to me. Why was she in your face? What did she say? I don't want you involved. My wife never does that. I couldn't handle that. I couldn't handle that. I don't do her that way. What did he say to you? What? See, I got to see. I'm. That's manipulation and that's control. Possessiveness, we talked about that, not wanting people to have other meaningful relations. Sexual pressure, if you really love me, you'll fornicate with me, even though the Bible said we shouldn't fornicate. Oh, you don't love me. If you will, if you love me, you now we don't say it like that, guys. We don't say it like that. 
if you love me, I love you. I need you. I want you. Know what you're saying. If you love me, you'll fornicate with me, even though God said don't fornicate. That's what you're telling her. You're saying, I want you to ignore God and I want you to fornicate with me and prove to and prove to my insecurity that you love me. That's exactly what you're saying. Giving and getting upset because she won't sleep with you. You're going to give her something. If you're going to give it to her, give it to her. Don't be giving her something and now she got to sleep with you because you you paid for dinner and you gave her this. If you're going to give her jewelry, give it to her. If you're going to give her money to help her with her bills, give it to her. Listen, it's not an exchange. If she's got to give you something because you gave her, because she gave you and helped you with your bills, now you have to sleep. She's got to sleep with you. That's control. That's manipulation. Oh, I tell you, that hit somebody. Oh, my single guys. I'm trying to get my single guys up. I'm trying to get you up, brother. See, all this stuff, y'all. See, you're, you're only fooling God. You're, you're only fooling yourself. You're not fooling God. This this game you single guys doing, like, you, you got to sleep with me, but I'm saved. I'm going to quote scriptures over here, but I'm going to sleep with you over here. That's a game. God sees that stuff, brothers. Come on. Come up hither. Come up hither. Now, you're born again. You don't play games like that. No, you're going to give to her. She doesn't have to sleep with you. In fact, she shouldn't be sleeping with you and walk with God, and you shouldn't be doing it. Oh, that hit home right there, boy, I tell you. Ooh, somebody said, boy, I'll be glad when you stop. I'll be glad when you stop being the pastor. You listen, my son going to do the same thing. He going to say the same thing because it's the word. It's the word. Come on, brothers. Come up here. Come on up here. Come on, guys. Come on, single guys. We're going to be saved in our relationship. We're going to be saved. We're not going to be con- trying to control and manipulate her. Break up. Break up panic is a form of control. I kill myself. I'm going to kill myself if you leave me. I'm going to kill myself. Listen, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. It may sound mean. But if you're dating somebody or if you're married to somebody or if you're in a friendship with somebody and they tell you, if you leave me or if you do this, I will kill myself. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. If they kill themselves, you can cry, you can mourn their death, but you're not going to feel guilty because you are not responsible for people living or dying. That's a form of manipulation. Anytime a person says, I'll kill myself if you leave me, that's a form of control and manipulation. Micromanagement at work is a form of control and manipulation. It's all over the place. Control and manipulation is all over the place. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm, I got a question here. I'm going to get your question in just a, just a moment. Uh, in just a moment, uh, I'm going to get and answer your question in just a moment, but I want, I want to hit this. In Genesis 39, 6 through 20, remember Potiphar's wife? And she was putting all that pressure on Joseph to sleep with her, and then when he didn't sleep with her, then she lied on him. That was control and manipulation. 
Now, I want to I want to close out before I get the question. I want to speak a word to my pastors, because I know that there are men of God who watch this podcast. Listen, pastors, this is something that I've taught my son because he's going to be the lead pastor in a moment. And this is something that I've always believed as a pastor. You don't own people. You don't own them. They don't belong to you. They may be a member of your church. And I told my son this, those people never belong to you. Remember, they never belong to you. You're a steward over those people. They belong to God, okay? The land, the property, the building doesn't belong to the pastor. It belongs to the minister. So we we don't control any of that stuff. So we have to decide to let people pray, and we have to decide to let people go. Let them pray. Let them come. Let them pray. Let them go. Let them pray and let them come. Let them pray and let them go. Now, pastors sometimes get over into control, too, and I'm just trying to love on you. I'm trying to love on you. Anytime people want to come and you receive them, and you believe that they heard the Spirit of God, why can't they hear the Spirit of God and leave? Maybe the Spirit of God wants them to go somewhere else to church. Maybe God wants them to leave, and that's all right. So we can't try to hold on to them and tell them stuff like, well, you know, they got plenty of people over there. You need to be with me. I need you. No, that's a form of control and manipulation. You let people come. They pray and believe God and come and you receive them. And when people want to go, you bless them when they go. You don't try to hold on to them. No, you ask God to give somebody else in their place. That's what you do. That's what I've always done. That's what I'm telling my son. You never try to hold on to people because that's hypocritical to tell, to teach them to hear God and follow the spirit. And then they come to us and say, I feel led to go somewhere else. And then we get angry or we get mad or we talk about them in the pulpit or we, we blackball them or whatever. And we try to make sure that we're going to speak negative about them or about this situation to control everybody else, to keep them in, in, in place. Listen, all this stuff have, we got to get it out of the pulpit. We got to get it out of this because the people, they don't belong to us. I've never gone to, I went to one person and asked one person to come back because the spirit of God told me to do it. That's the only time I've ever, in 40 some years, I've never gone to anybody. And I never got up in the pulpit and talked about people because they left the church. Because that's hypocritical to believe that they can hear God to come, but they can't hear God to leave. You, You let them pray and come. And you bless them while they're there. And then you let them pray and leave and you speak blessings over them and they leave. And you want them to prosper wherever they go. And then you believe God to send you other people to help you because the ministry doesn't belong to you. The church doesn't belong to you. It's God's church. It's God's responsibility to keep the church going, not yours. Listen, I'm out of time, out of town, but I do have a question here. And this question is 
it okay to ask why or should I just move on when someone ghosts me and end the relationship with me? Now, listen, it's nothing wrong with asking people why, but there's a good chance if they ghosted you, they're not going to respond to you, even in asking them why. That was their immaturity. That was their carnality that caused them to ghost you because mature Christians, they end relationships in a proper way. So it's nothing wrong with asking, but if they don't respond when you ask why they did it, leave it alone because you did your responsibility. You reached out on on them. Don't speak negative over them. Uh, Speak blessings over them and trust God to give you other meaningful relationships. Listen, I trust that we said something judging from some of the comments. I think we helped somebody today, but we're not through. We got two more lessons. We got two more lessons. This real love thing is important. Now, here's what I learned. I said this, I say this, I said this. God taught me love early in my ministry because I felt some of the same things that people feel. Especially if your church small, man, and you need people and the people that you need, they may leave and go somewhere else and you feel these emotions and stuff. I felt all that stuff. I felt all that. God, what about me? What about me? And God taught me to love people, period. You love them before they come and if they come, you you love them. You love them when they leave. But your, your trust shouldn't be in the people. Your trust should be in God. You're serving God. So God taught me this love thing. And I want to teach you love, man. Because see, if you learn how to walk in love and you learn how to react in love, nothing can stop your destiny from coming to pass. Because the only person, only person that can stop you and your destiny is you. Satan can't do it. People can't do it. Enemies can't do it. No one outside of you can stop God's plan for your life. And that's why this real love thing is so very important. It keeps you on track with your your destiny journey. It keeps you on track. It don't let you get distracted in offenses and all this kind of crazy stuff. No, we're going to walk in real love. I love you. And I pray that you have a good rest of the week and we look forward to seeing you next time. Mm-hmm.